0: we are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought uh, this week we'll just recap, we'll just jump right in, recap where we were uh, left off last week. Today, as Eric said, we're going to talk more about some of the practical application of what it means to be a disciple, some of the practices. But before we do that, just want to go over this again. So last week we talked about the the what, the who, the why do we make disciples. And so the what is intention why do we make or sorry what is disciple making intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the spirit of God in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. And as we saw last week who does it? Every single one of us. No one is exempt. If you're a follower of Christ, you are included in his command to go make disciples. Yes. And so why do we do it? It was his plan that he came up with to spread the gospel, to reach the world. So we do it because we're trying to reach the lost for his glory. Any thoughts on that, Alex? No, I think you covered all the bases, (laughs) as usual. Yeah. So uh, this week, again, we're going to get more into the practical application. So Alex, why don't you just kick us off? We learned what the what is, the who, and the why. Yeah. What does this look like? Sure.
0: Well, you know, to start there, Jeff, we kind of got to go back, and we'll start with the Great Commission again in Matthew 28. Uh, it actually has four commands: go, make, baptize, and teach. But to make it easier, I'm, I'm going to kind of drill down discipleship and say that there' are essentially uh, three elements, just to make it easy. We, we could go on and on, but uh, I call them the three C's being commitment, coordinate, and to correct. Those are very easy to remember, and uh, by the way, Jesus did every one of those with his disciples, and he did it well. No one can do it better than he did. Uh, as we start with commitment, uh, I go to Second Timothy two two, and he says, uh, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who are able to teach others also. And what this is, this is spending time with those you disciple and really sharing your life with them, uh, you know, it, and it's kind of just talking about the gospel, uh, studying it together, prayer and worship together, going places together, and uh, so that the disciples can see how, how do you really live your life, you know, outside of church, and show them what does it look like to follow Christ by your example outside of the church. Um, if we also go to 1 Corinthians 11, 1, it says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, uh, there's a couple other ones there you brought out that were really good Jeff
1: yeah yeah as we see across you know much of Paul's epistles he has this language that he's always using of following his example so we see in Philippians 3:17, he says brothers join in imitating me mm. he says in Philippians 4 9 what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the God of peace will be with you now he even says in a couple other verses Second Thessalonians, speaking to the Thessalonians, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. And he goes on later in that verse and he says, we give you in ourselves an example to imitate. Mm -hmm. Going back to Timothy, he says, you have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecution, my suffering. Again, it's this thing of like Timothy has just been following Paul's example. And what's interesting, if we can go back to 2 Timothy 2, what we see in that verse, we actually see this idea of generational multiplication. Yes. It was, He says to Timothy, what you've seen in me and heard in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will teach others. So we have Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men, and faithful men to others. And so is there, there is this teaching of following the example and showing how to follow Christ.
0: And he was more than qualified because he was discipled by Jesus.
1: Yeah. Can't do any better than Spent that, can you? Spent some time in Arabia. Arabia, I yeah. Is what said.
0: So yeah. we also have 1 Corinthians four, fifteen through 17. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ, Jesus, through the gospel. I urge you, then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. So there's that parenting aspect, again, that we talked about. Yeah. It even it's mentions child.
1: It's not just, uh, as he says here, you have countless guides. You have countless people teaching you, but you don't have very many people fathering you. Yes. And just like us as parents, if you have kids, not anybody can just be a mom or dad. You Are the mom? You are the dad. We just don't hand it off to somebody else to, you know, hey, go raise my kids. No, but we take the responsibility of parenting another person in Christ.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So when we talk about commitment to the whole basis is of all this, it's an accountable. We call it just a relationship, and we have to think back and realize that you know nobody's ever going to receive instruction or correction, or they're not going to be vulnerable under someone that they don't have a relationship with, relationship with that they trust and, and they really respect. Because you're molding and shaping somebody, you really are, again, spiritually parenting this disciple to be conformed to the image of Christ by watching, listening, and sharing your life with them. Uh, I can't say enough about this parenting aspect, uh, what it was done even in my life, you know, as uh, all through the years of being discipled as well, every time I really needed something, uh, whoever was discipling me really stepped in like a parent to guide and uh, let me see by their example, even in the way that they handled conflict and all kinds mm-hmm. of things like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and, you know, If we look also in the Synoptic Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see again uh, I'll repeat this, that Jesus spent nine-tenths, 90% of his ministry time here on earth pouring into just 12 men, not a megachurch. What does that tell us about how important it is to spend quality time pouring into and sharing life with those we disciple it's a huge responsibility again the cost is immeasurable but the
1: cost again of non-discipleship yeah is so much higher yeah absolutely if we if we don't set that example there's there's really nothing to guide the person um we have to be intimately involved in their life don't
0: we yeah i, I think it's uh, intimately and vulnerable are two key things right there because yeah. you can't have breakthrough without those you know no. So what does this include? You know, it includes teaching the disciple how to effectively study the word of God and to pray. Two of the biggest ones are right there. If we can understand and study God's very word and learn to pray in a fashion where we're really walking and talking with God daily in an authentic and genuine relationship, and not just a learning exercise, but we really live out and work out our salvation, as Paul spoke of in Philippians 2.12, when he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, he said in 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, Have nothing to do with the irrelevant, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You know what that means?
1: Daily, we've got to head to the spiritual gym,
0: right? Yeah. You get work workout every day.
1: Yeah, it's an, it's an active faith. It's an active transformation. It's not just uh, information. Right. It's transformation. Transformation. It doesn't just happen by accident. It happens when we apply ourselves. That's
0: right. Yeah. What do we always say? Repetition leads to? Revelation. 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 Yeah. Um, So it also includes, of course, Scripture memorization, uh, knowing that. But, you know, we go back to Matthew 28 and the Great Commission, uh, it involves this very element when it says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Uh, so there's extensive studying of the Bible and memorization of Scripture together and really helping the disciple or disciples to understand, digest, and live out what they're studying so they can really uh, conform to the image of Christ and then replicate the gospel in other people. How yeah. do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, there's there one of the primary responsibilities of a disciple maker is teaching training the person you're discipling how to feed themselves from the Word of God. Uh, Far too often we have this consumer mentality where I'll let somebody else tell me what they understand what the Bible says instead of us for ourselves learning how to study the Bible, how to read it in context, how to apply it to our lives, how to Mm -hmm. feed ourselves when we're even away from our disciple maker. That's right. Because if we're not learning to do that, we're going to continue to be spiritual infants. Right, we're not going to grow up and chew on the meat of the word ourselves. It reminds me of that video we
0: saw where, uh, you know, the pastor was going, "I'm not your Moses." Yeah. You know, you can't go, "Wow, wow, uh, I messed up because my disciple maker didn't talk to me for this many days. I fell off the wagon or whatever."
1: Uh, you know, you can't be your Moses. Yeah, uh, I forget where the verse is specifically, but um, see, I should have studied this more. <laughs> you did great. But you know, I think, I think it was Paul or it might have been in Hebrews where he said, you should have been teachers by now. You should now, have been teachers
0: by now. It's right.
1: But you're still craving spiritual milk. You're, you're still right. drinking milk. Yep. On that,
0: too, a lot of times, too, uh, this is overlooked a lot, but it, it's a great benefit and it should happen. A good disciple maker also casts vision over those they disciple. And sometimes they even help mine out and they see spiritual gifts in that person. And they help bring those to maximum growth for, cr- for Christ's glory by casting that vision over them. I remember uh, a few times uh, sitting in a restaurant one time in Pendleton and, and uh, kind of getting the call to kind of full-time pastoral care over my life. And I didn't see it coming. I mean, I was kind of hungry and things like that, but was told, you know, this zeal that you have right now, this is the birthing pains of a man that's been called to full-time pastoral care. I was sobbing all over the table, and everyone was looking at me like I was crazy, yeah. but I really
1: didn't care. Yeah, as we spend time with people, we really get to see the gifts that God's put in them. We get to help mine those out of them, uh, get to help encourage them to walk out those gifts that they have. And in, in addition to casting vision for you know what gifts and calling they have, it's always important that we keep before them the, the goal of why are we doing this together. Yeah. you know The end vision. Keeping the end in mind, that the end is, is that, you know, they will end up multiplying. Absolutely. Uh, And and along with that, you know, uh,
0: a lot of times too, I think you'll figure out. You learn as much from those you're discipling. As what they pour into you, and I've heard that a few times, but uh, you do even, you know, a lot of times you wind up you're kind of preaching to yourself. Absolutely. Don't you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, what I've seen in my life is that um, as I've started to pursue this in the last couple years is that it has challenged me. I have to grow. If If I'm being a spiritual parent to somebody, I can't just be a bad spiritual parent, <laughs> right? <laughs> I have to put in the effort myself and like I've got to be just as disciplined as they are. This isn't just me transferring what I already know. This is me getting into the word more, learning more being able to minister to them even more. Right. You know, I think we plateau as Christians when we're not pouring into somebody else. Absolutely. Because there's nothing there spurring us on to I have to grow deeper with the Lord. I I grow meeting with you weekly. Yeah. I'm going
0: to cast a little vision over you. You're a leader. I've heard that. You're a leader. (laughs) (laughs) Out of your comfort zone, but you are a leader, darn Skippy.
1: Yes, I think we need to redefine what leadership is <laughs> <laughs> Leadership's well, not always the outgoing follow me let's no run to the fight kind of person.
0: Well, we talked about that last week yeah. because you know
1: when we said you complete me, yeah, so it's a piece of that puzzle, yeah, right, so we had another one liner plan, but I don't think we'll say that one. that'll we'll keep that one so <laughs> you can ask us later, getting back on track um <laughs> You
0: know, when we talk about meeting and studying God's word, uh, Jeff and I have adopted a new method, and you've probably heard, there's kind of a buzz around this church, around it, you know, the youth and the middle school are doing it, and the guys that we disciple are doing it. It's called a HEAR journal. Have you guys heard of a HEAR journal? Yeah? Some of you? Jeff, what's a HEAR journal?
1: Yeah, I'll just really briefly go over it, because I think next week we'll maybe go into a little bit more detail of what it is, but it's obviously an acronym, H-E-A-R. The H is highlight, the E is explain, the A is apply, and the R is respond. Respond. And so in a very simple, quick 30-second description is, you know, you pray, you ask the Lord, you know, as I'm reading, highlight something to me. And so you find that verse that the Lord is uh, putting on your heart, and you write it down. That's the H. That's the highlight. Mm -hmm. The E is examine, and that's where you dive in and you do some of the hard work is Examining, what is this scripture about? Who's writing this? Who are they writing it to? What's the context? Why why are they writing this? So you write that down. That's the E. The A is apply or application. What is the spiritual truth in this scripture? Mm-hmm. What, why was it written? What is the spiritual truth that I can pull out of this? And then the R is, how are you going to respond to that spiritual truth? And so that's the key part. We can, we can see it. We can know it. We can say what the application is but if we don't respond we're not growing that's the accountability part that's the hardest part because then you got to go do something about it yeah so it's just a simple method for you to get in the word and kind of just do a it's it's basically a a way of doing an inductive bible study Mm -hmm. Um, but getting you into the word and being disciplined to pull truth out and to respond to it y- you know I can't tell you enough how my daughter loves doing
0: those and even I know uh, we have almost a hundred percent participation with the parents and the kids in uh, junior high I know your son is always Hudson's always got his hand up
1: because <laughs> he's had it done for a while because you've been having him do it for almost a year now yeah we've been doing uh, here journals as a family um, we're still learning how to do them better right We're still learning how to apply and respond but um, yeah it's It's been good to see the family digging into the Word of God every week and, and coming with, uh, here's what I pulled out of the Word of God. Let's discuss it.
0: What other foundational things that you, you know, we were talking even before church just now uh, do you kind of go through with some of the guys you disciple?
1: Well, I don't do these well, but um, I do think that as disciple makers, we need to, f- we need to focus on some core truths mm-hmm. to our Christian walk, right? We need to make sure that all of our disciples know what baptism is and the importance of baptism. If they haven't come to the water's edge and uh, given their life over publicly and baptized, we need to teach them what that means. You know, we need to teach everyone how to share their testimony. Yeah, absolutely. How to develop your testimony, how to share it. We need to teach everybody how to share their faith Mm -hmm. with somebody. Um, Prayer. What is prayer? You know, giving, love, some of the core foundational principles of our Christian walk um, because that's what's going to make it a repeatable process is when we have some core things that is easily reproduced in others so that they can when they disciple pass that on and so how great would it be to have every single person in here know how to develop their testimony and share their faith in a very simple repeatable way it'd be amazing and and, you know and I'm not knocking other churches but you know, I,
0: I've been to other churches where only the pastor example baptizes. But what are we going to do if we're out there and we've given our testimony and someone really gets convicted and they're even at a gas station and we have to pour water over their head? But, you know, we have to know how to do this. Yeah. Uh, the, the Great Commission, again, was for all of us. It wasn't. It didn't say in italics only for pastors only or for super Christians. Uh, it was for everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Everyb- you know, we do a good job of that here, too. Uh, you know, when we baptize, and thank you, Eric and Tom, that you've been at big advocates, that uh, mom and dad, you baptize your kids, and then kids, you go baptize somebody else. Yeah,
1: it's right there in the Great Commission. Go make disciples, baptize them. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't say just you pastors go baptize. Right. It's everybody.
0: Um, Number two, you know, after commitment, and, and again, we could talk about this first one for three more Sundays. And we'll field all questions, of course, later and, and even after the service. If you want to talk more, we're going to be available. But number two is coordinate. And that means to send them out like Jesus did the disciples. And uh, what that means is those that you disciple, they're out obeying Christ's commands, serving others. Uh, they're, they're praying for people. They're teaching the word. They're ministering to the lost, visiting the sick and other commands that Christ gave. And personally, I don't know about you guys. I don't know about you, Jeff. And the way I disciple, too, we talked about this. This may be the most neglected part of discipleship that I see today. Yeah. Because and, and, it takes time. And everyone always says, I'm busy, don't they?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's definitely hard to, to figure out a way to get your disciple to go and do uh, and obey what the, what the word says. But also not making your time together just, else, you know, again, check off the box I'll see you next week but in, the mi- in between are you going out are you, are you doing what you say you're going to do are you serving others are you obeying Christ's commands we had a, a funny illustration we saw where um,
0: you know a pastor was talking and he said we have a tendency in the church to take Christ's commands and we'll just say um, he made it like the game Simon Says we've all played that right you know, Simon Says get your right hand and touch your forehead it's pretty simple but uh, he said, we kind of treat it like that in the church. And he says, we're, we'll read the Great Commission, but we actually don't go out and do it. And he says, that, you know, that'd be like me telling Tori to help Kate and I with dishes, which she does a great job of. But if she came back two hours later and I said, hey, th- did you help mom with those dishes? And she looked at me and said, uh, no, but I memorized it. I memorized what she said. <laughs> I could even say it in Greek. Yeah. So why do we think it's okay? You know, think about this. We're going to face a judge someday at the bema seat, and he's going to ask us. You know, possibly very f- one of the first things he may say is, "Did you obey my last words I said before I sent it to heaven?" What would it be like if we said, "No, but I memorized it."
1: Yeah, I could tell you all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of convicted me. It is. It's still convicting. <laughs>
0: Well, that's why James one twenty two says, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, and uh, I even look in, in this section right here as we're sending them out. One thing that really convicted me, too, is uh, as disciple makers, I- it's imperative. As our disciples do go out and coordinate, we have to really be praying for these guys. You know, when you look with uh, Peter and John in Acts 4.13 when they were for the Sanhedrin and they spoke so boldly and they they were like astonished. These men have been, you know, with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what we didn't realize was the other disciples were praying for them. You know, we look all through Acts. uh, The church is praying. I mean, the ground shook when they prayed. So what's that tell us about even in equipping on prayer? And uh, so as we do send them out and coordinate, we have to pray that's one of the first things i do uh, as a disciple maker i made up this f- kind of stupid word called pest yeah need to be a pest need to be you c- it's okay to be a spiritual pest <laughs> for <laughs> those you disciple. So you guys out there that i disciple daily i pray for you and i try to at the beginning of the week at least e stands for encourage s is spend your life with them and t testify let them see you giving your testimony So it's okay to be a spiritual pest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, going back to to James, you know, it is it is so crucial that we obey. And and I recall one guy that I've that I've read, he he made this statement and it just crushed me really, as he says, As Christians, we are educated far beyond our obedience. Absolutely. We don't need to learn one more thing. We need to start obeying the things we already know. Yes. Because we are not doers. We're very good at hearing. You know, hey, I memorized it. I'm supposed to go do those dishes, but I haven't done yeah. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Talk is cheap, isn't it? It is.
0: Well, if we look over, to in Matthew 10:1, you know, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. Another example of this, giving them all authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every sickness and disease. In Luke 9, 2, Jesus sends the disciples out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. You know, looking over there, I think there's probably around 22 different scriptures where it says Christ sent out. So he was always equipping his disciples by having to go out and do things to proclaim gospel in various ways. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Always having them on the move, doing something, growing again. It wasn't just I listened to you, Jesus, for the information. It was they were being transformed into his image and doing what he said.
0: Yeah. Well, that was one of the first things, you know, way back in 2013. A lot of times, you know, I, I can be a bit of a follower, too, and uh, I would go out with the man who was discipling me, and weekly, he was always going somewhere, and usually outside of my wheelhouse, somewhere where I was going to be uncomfortable, and we'd go in a nursing home or something, and I'm always, th- back then especially, I was more of the type to, let's see how he prays for people, but he started, like, grab me by the shoulder, and he'd go, all right, go pray for that guy, and, and it right. wasn't like, would you mind to do this, it was all right, go pray for that guy. Come on, boy. Yeah. And so it was, uh, I remember going through a lot of that stuff and things that we did, and uh, again, he was always more interested in equipping me than in almost anything else.
1: Yeah. If I can even speak to that for a moment, all you introverts in the room, <laughs> I mean, if you are willing to raise your hand if you're an introvert. That's you, Kate. <laughs> but this is really hard, because I'm, I'm actually an introvert myself. Um, but to Put yourself out there and actually lead. Be the change. Be transformed. Do this because it's it is naturally in my personality to follow. Mm-hmm. I I can follow a leader. You know I could till the cows come home. Especially a know. powerful
0: one that has a yeah. lot of
1: influence that you yeah. really look up to. Yeah, but Jesus didn't just say, "All you extroverts, go make disciples." He said, "Everyone. He wanted everyone to do it." And so this is really hard for me to, to do this, to, to lead. Um, yeah, it's just grating against my personality. But you know what I love is that we are not striving for obedience. That's right. We obey because we love Christ. That's And right. his grace and the Holy Spirit meets us there. It's his grace that is going to empower us yeah. to follow through and do this well. That's right. If we could do it, if we could do it in our own power. We wouldn't need Jesus. We wouldn't need Jesus. Right. But as Paul says, you know, he's made strong when I'm weak. When I'm weak. And so introverts specifically, you're weak in this probably, leading, thinking that you can't, but it's God's grace that's going to help you do it. I think one of the bigger parts of this, too, is uh, a
0: lot of people are very hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I can be. And I think there's so much grace when you're actually willing to go out and just obey the Lord. He's okay with your mistakes if you're obeying him. Yeah, and he really is. When when you're really trying to obey him, uh, his grace shows up. And what do we call grace? The supernatural provision of
1: God that makes difficult and impossible things literally easy. Yeah, it goes back to the definition of disciple making. It's it's empowered by the spirit of God. That's right. If God's not empowering you in this process of discipling people, it's not going to work. You don't I know, di- you don't, I don't know about you. Sometimes daily I have to ask God, Lord, would you help
0: me to really be able to love? Uh, you know, sometimes you wake up, you're not really having a great day. Do you really feel like loving the unlovely? I don't. So, you know, I, I have to go to the rock that's higher than I and really dig into that because in my own flesh, again, we said it last week, w- anything you've ever been called to do, you can't do in your own flesh. You're always going to need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit through prayer God's word worship and spending time with others and so uh, this is going to be a very
1: painstakingly process we're not going to lie to you but the benefits far outweigh the cost yeah we mean if you could be on a fly on the wall at my house Michelle and I talking you would hear me say many times how I'm not doing this well yeah. I'm not doing this thing right but she's great wife she encourages me she is. But also brings me back to relying on God's grace that's right And knowing that you've called me to do this, I'm going to do it. You're doing an amazing job.
0: (laughs) He's a great encourager. (laughs) (laughs) He really is. Thank you. (laughs) Um, If we move on to the third C, and this is probably the most painful one a lot of times, because people, you know how it is in today's society, they get their feathers awfully ruffled. But uh, it's correct. It means to hold accountable. If we look in Hebrews 12, 5 through 7, it says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as his children, praise God. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And Abba Father, right, Mike, is the best dad in the whole world, isn't he?
1: All his discipline is from love absolutely never by anger nope never from anything but love
0: and that's the way we have to be with our disciples isn't it yeah but again I find this is often the the part of discipleship where people dislike the most you know if we're really spiritually parenting a disciple then we have permission to hold them accountable in their walk with Christ and the growth of it and here's where I find sometimes has anyone out there ever had people that they've started meeting with and all of a sudden they just quit on you Yes, a lot of that happens in accountability, doesn't it? Yeah. They really don't want to change. I mean, let's just tell the truth here. If they did, they'd be coming back and saying, "I'm sorry, I copped an attitude or whatever." Thank you for mining spiritual gold out of me. I won't do it anymore.
1: Yeah, it goes back to your first C. Really, is the the commitment. Yes, when we when we're really committed as a disciple maker and as a disciple. You know, we commit to being held accountable, being held to the standard of the word of God, doing what it says, and be willing to be corrected. That's right.
0: Well, this also involves, if you really share in your life with that person, some of the areas would be, how do they manage their relationships, including their spouses? How are they parenting their kids? Their relationships with people at work, at school, even their finances? All kinds of stuff. Yeah, God's Word has a lot to say about all those things, doesn't it? <laughs> Immense. <laughs> so made me think of the book of James. <laughs> uh, you know, I was responsible a few times uh, to go make peace. In a two-week time span, I had to make t- peace with my mother-in-law, a former pastor, and the owner of the company that I work with all in two weeks, and get back and tell me how it went. That was some hot stuff. <laughs> there was a little bit of sweat beating off my head in a lot of those. Yeah. But y- you know what, though? The process was amazing because God showed up, and you know what? He molded my heart. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he created a love in me because I went to him and said, I'm having a hard time with this person. And he created a love for each one of those people. That way, when I went and talked to him, tears were almost floated, every single one of them except one. But it all still worked out.
1: Yeah.
0: And so God's amazing when you really just come to him in
1: humility and do that. Yeah, that reminds me of, um, you know, I heard someone say this, and I've thought about it a lot in the past couple weeks. It's that it is impossible to be conformed into the image of Christ without suffering. That's right. You know. That's right. If we're not challenged, if we're not pushed to change, we're not going to be conformed into the image of Christ. We can't. Because he went through suffering. Oh, so much. And he said that we are to be like him. Embrace suffering. Yeah, embrace it. You know. yeah. He promised tribulation in this world. You Th- know.
0: Is that why Spurgeon said he thinks that the Lord's best soldiers are always formed in the highlands of affliction? Yeah, absolutely. You know,
1: makes me think.
0: It's that challenge that grows us. W- well, here's a question: What would the body of Christ look like if everyone was being held accountable? You know, do you, do you think that divorce rates? of Christians would almost match those of the unsaved world that are totally ignorant of scripture. Could we as a church have impact on the fact that 51% of high school kids are sexually active? That stat really hurts me.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Or how about, Eric, you said 61% of our kids walk away from their faith when they go to college. Could accountability through discipleship help head off a lot of these problems? think it could
1: yeah it really could people who lift up the word of God lift up the standard of his righteousness and and go for it you can't help but change yes and when you really are committed to it it's gonna yeah it's gonna change you. heck I'm accountable to you every week Yeah, yeah so you know the end goal obviously is to multiply absolutely you know through all these three c's the goal is is that what you've been teaching your disciple that then you hand it off to them and say now you go and do it as well and i've heard from others that this is really hard because you know when you're when you're in that relationship with that person and you're like oh i just don't want to (laughs) leave right But as parents, Mm -hmm. you know, when your kids turn 18, you're kind of anxious to kick them out of the nest, right? (laughs) And so as disciple makers, we have to kick them out of the nest in a way and be like, just as what I've demonstrated in my example, now you get to be an example to someone else and you get to grow and multiply. And so I thought it would be great um, to show this little example of uh, multiplication or growth strategy. There's... Our typical strategy is growth by addition, but what we're talking about is growth by multiplication. Hmm. And so I just want to show this. So the goal, obviously, to have the disciple go out, pour into others as we have poured into them, and spreading the reach of the gospel, repeating that process. So I want to set up this uh, little scenario. And um, I'm going to, I guess, pit four evangelists versus one disciple maker. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. We need evangelists absolutely okay? every gift of the uh that the holy spirit gives we need to equip but we're n- not called jesus didn't say go make converts <laughs> he said go make disciples. disciples and so just a simple scenario here um, imagine we had four evangelists and every evangelist made one new convert every day so that would be 365 people coming to lord praise god every year right um, but four of them were doing it. but let's just take one disciple maker. It might be you, just you. and you make one disciple a year, who goes and makes a disciple if If we were to do this, the the evangelists in the first year, the first year, um, the four of them would have one thousand four hundred and sixty converts to Christ. Praise God. that's yeah. awesome. Yes. Disciple makers spent time with one person and poured into their life and made a disciple. You can see as the year goes on, next year, evangelists add another 1460. The disciple maker now, there's two new disciples because the one in the first year is making a disciple and then the, the disciple maker is making another one. So now there's two disciple makers. Year three, you can see it doubles again for the disciple maker. We skip ahead to like year 15 here. The evangelists by now have reached 21,900. And the disciple makers are multiplying to 16,000. You can see there in year 16, the disciple makers have overtaken just making converts, right? They're multiplying. Can anybody guess if we went another 10 years out, how many disciples would be made? Over a million, we got a guess for over a million. How about seventeen? Or oops, (laughs) didn't go back. Sixteen million. But the evangelists, they keep trucking along, and they're making thirty-six thousand. And again, I'm not putting them down at all. Nope. But we need the evangelists to help equip. It says in Ephesians four eleven, those gifts were given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We need you guys to help us, help me introvert right. to know how to share my faith effectively we need your gift but we're called to make disciples and as we make disciples who make disciples that's just one that's just one disciple maker starting to decide i'm going to pour into somebody for one year and get them to multiply imagine if 10 of us right. in this room started doing that you know, I heard one guy sharing his testimony in another country. If he could take 10 guys and teach them to disciple others, to disciple others, you could reach the entire population of the earth. That's right. In 30 years. 30 years. In 30 years. And we could do, this in one generation, we could reach the entire population of the earth. If we make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. Sounds like the early church, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Which we've all yearned for and
1: wanted to be a part of. We always want to be a part of something like that. Yeah, and obviously this is like a perfect scenario because it's been 2,000 years and we (laughs) haven't reached the population. (laughs) That's right. But it just goes to show that we can't grow by just adding people. No, and not making disciples. We have to make disciples if we're really going to spread the gospel.
0: Yeah, I've I've heard discipleship kind of defined uh, as a lifestyle is really called impactful mm-hmm. evangelism. Yeah, because it's like in a health club when we get people in, they don't, you know, a lot of they just like members, but we we'll always like members that are actually being equipped, that can train themselves too.
1: Yeah, I heard another guy put it as uh, disciple making and evangelism are two oars on the same boat. Absolutely. If, if all we have is evangelism, spinning one, or we're just, what are we doing? We're going just in going circles. in a circle. But if we're both in tandem, working together, knowing how to share our faith and how to make disciples, we're going to go somewhere. We're not just going to sit and spin in circles.
0: Absolutely. And I kind of feel, you know, a lot of times in the church that we're in two, one of two categories. We're either fumbling the handoff to the next generation of leaving a legacy, or we're running with passion. And we're running a passion in order to give that unto the people, the next generation ahead of us. Uh, we're always to be passing the baton, so to speak. And sometimes that's why, sometimes I got a blue baton with me. I didn't bring it today. Yeah, I thought you were bringing that. It started turning my hands blue as well. Oh. <laughs> it
1: did. It was rubbing off. Well, then you know who your disciples are. That's right, that's so right. All got blue hands. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cole Hughes, do you have blue on your hands by chance? So. But, yeah, it, it, you know, too, looking back, the greatest gift that you can give a disciple-maker isn't anything material or anything even of this world. Uh, the greatest gift you can give back to a disciple-maker is to pass on what was given to you. Yeah. And that, that's that's the command that I was given. I remember going, uh, so-and-so wants to meet with me for coffee. You know, I don't, what do I do? And he just took one look at me,
1: and he says, go pour into him what I've poured into you. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Secure commitment and see... Does this person really want to grow? Sometimes we got to be picky. Absolutely. Some, some people just, you know, friendship's great. Yeah, it is. Relationship's great. Sometimes they just want our time. Yeah. But if they want to grow, you know, are you willing? Are you going to be one of those teams? you could to be committed? Right. Are well going to let us coordinate? Are you going to be correctable? That was one of the first
0: things that was told to me at lunch is uh, we can't just make this a love feast. This has to be going somewhere. Are you all in? Yeah. Yeah, by next week. Here's 30 questions, by the way. I'm going to really bug you. (laughs) You know, I memorized your sermon last week, pal. So
1: it was a little more than that. Yeah, and when you say fumbling the handoff, you know, I I shared with you this week. I read this blog, and it really, again, convicted me. Um, This guy was talking about how he wrote four years ago that he thought busyness was the number one problem to disciple making in the church that we're just too busy and our schedules are too full. And he came back and wrote a blog and said, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. COVID came along and took away all our busyness. That's right. Still didn't do it. We still didn't do it. And he decided the greatest obstacle to disciple making is indifference. (laughs) That's right. That we just don't care to make Christ known. Yeah. To be known, to know him and to make him known. Yeah. We've become indifferent to obeying what scripture says. We've embraced our comfort. We have. Yeah. You know, we, we haven't uh
0: embraced the superior
1: provision of Christ and brushed off the inferior pleasures of this world, have we? Yeah. COVID took away all our sports and movies and everything and we just replaced it with Netflix and Hulu and yeah. other distractions. Yeah, yeah. Chan talked about that during the pandemic
0: when he said, you know, God has allowed this treadmill of busyness to slow down. He said Embrace it for a while, use this time to really dig in the word and get close to God and then go out and replicate
1: this yeah. and uh, as we shared last week, we see that you know Jesus had a, he had a very high calling if you want to be my disciple, it was denying yourself deny yourself and so I've been praying how do I reorient my lifestyle to live around this commission that Christ has given us what has to change and it's hard. Mm-hmm. As Americans, we, we love our pleasure. We love our distraction. We love our comfort. We don't like being uncomfortable. No, no. We, we
0: just don't. We never grow when we're comfortable, though, do we? No. Can't, can't grow when you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, because of all of this that we've talked about, and we get a lot of questions on this, too, and this is why we're going to go through this. Uh, we said, you know, this is what discipleship is. Well, here's what discipleship is not. And again, we're, we're not taking a dig at anything in the church and saying uh, this is insignificant. Listen, we need every ministry. We, do, we need every ministry as the body to build up and edify the church. Yes. But uh, we're going to go through a, a little list here of what it's technically not. Because I'll get people that will go, hey, is this, is this discipleship? And, and remember, when we go through this, too, we have to go back to the definition of what is a disciple. And you know, if we go back to that, there was a word, too, in there. She said, Apprentice. I can't apprentice 30 people at one time.
1: Yeah.
0: I can't do it. I, I don't have that kind of capital in my life to spend that time with them in, in accountability and sending them out and coordinating them and all this stuff and hold them all accountable. Mm-hmm. So, but number one is a simple Bible study. You know, A lot of people have said, uh, you know, I'm doing a Bible study. I'm doing discipleship. But it's really not b- discipleship because it's not just, again, the receiving of information. But studying the Bible and taking it, uh, action to allow information to become transformation in your life to spread to others because your heart has been so changed that you love others and you want to see others receive the freedom and blessing and intimacy with Christ that you learn and you, you learn to even love the unlovely. But yeah, a simple Bible study uh, without all these other elements that we've talked about, not. Discipleship. Yeah,
1: I mean, I love Bible study. I, I listen, do too. I watch podcasts. I love people getting into the Word of God and explaining uh-huh. what it means. But I'm not accountable to that person. Um, he's not casting vision for me to reproduce. Nope. And go and pour into somebody else what you've just learned. And so Bible study is great. It's it fantastic. Us. Yes, but it's not what we're talking about.
0: No, yeah. uh, the second one here is something that that we've we've done and we've done very well. At uh, one time we had. I had a chart on it. We had 100-some people all meeting, and it was great, and it's good that we kind of started this culture of this, but we call it uh, trauma-slash-triage care appointments where I'm only getting help for myself. And, you know, I'm okay if that's a starting point to lead into real discipleship if a relationship is built to advance the spiritual parenting, but we can't stay there. I mean, a lot of times we have appointments with people uh, wherever it may be, and we're having coffee and things like that, but we're only talking about, you know, a lot of times it's always I'm getting my junk out and we're just talking about, you know, what's going on in my life and, and how I need help. And it's a counseling session really is what that is. Yeah. Counseling sessions in and of themselves alone are not discipleship. No. Any thoughts on that? They're
1: great. Again, it's They're great fantastic. We need we need those people that we can go to. And even it happens during a discipleship meeting. It's part of it. It's part of it. You might be helping this person through an issue. But in disciple-making, again, the goal is always what you're learning is for the next person. Right. Where we're going, where are we going with this? Uh, Yes, I want to help you with this. I want to help you understand how to defeat this stronghold in your life, overcome your financial situation, whatever it is. But this isn't just for here and now. This is for moving forward. Because so many times, um, I've seen it in my life, is give me help on this okay thanks see ya right i'm done i got i got what i needed i got my fix i got yeah but it's not disciple making no yeah no
0: uh we also want to talk about uh again ministry programs that only focus on you growing and equipping others but not multiplying the gospel on others Uh, again we don't want to minimize any of them they're essential we need them we have to have them but again I can't apprentice 30 people
1: at one time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've thought about this one a lot over the past couple years, and it's, it, it seems that sometimes I felt like in my, per- in my life I made myself so busy in service and other ministries that I really <laughs> neglected what Jesus' primary mission was. Yes, I have too. Uh, the Great Commission is his primary mission of his church. And as as great as ministries are, again, we they are necessary, they're needed. The gifting, the equipping that happens through them, amazing. We need them. Absolutely. But let's not use our busyness in ministry to neglect from what the primary mission is that he gave us. Yeah, I, I think we wonder a lot
0: of times in the church uh, why we don't have revival. And, you know, or even... Uh, not trying to go too far off topic you know why did my prefer? why did my prophetic words ever come true and we left out that accountability part of it and things like that because yeah. you can get all those you want but without that and being held accountable to walk it out and do something about it you're never going to see the fruit of it yeah you know so or, or we spend time doing everything else except what christ commanded mm-hmm. and wonder why this city's not changed yet
1: yeah it hurts me saying
0: that we talked about that last week
1: it's just it's just convicting to to realize again going back to what I said earlier how indifferent we are to the to his call I've just felt apathetic and indifferent and I can involve myself in other ways but I can ignore ignore this thing and we need both absolutely we need
0: both well if y- y- we look at next steps moving forward in this we feel like we're going too fast obviously we'd love to spend 12 weeks doing this but for the time that we have here how do we get started Um, I think the first step is in everything is to pray Yeah. Uh, you know this shows he asked the Holy Spirit to reveal his heart for discipleship as shown in the word and uh you know, again, sometimes we don't feel like it, but we have to go back. And I've even heard Platt and Jan say that. We don't feel like this all the time, but if we're going to start anything, we have to hear from the Lord on everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So starting, we just have to pray. And, and then again, don't blame or feel shame that we haven't been discipled or we haven't made disciples. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Uh, we all start somewhere. And the good news, again, we don't come with an uh, egging you to death message up here. The good news is we can all do it, and we can all do it together.
1: Yeah, it's his grace. It's his grace that empowers us to do this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: What, right. else, what, what What? What? do you think? Uh, well, obviously. Because you had a big one next that you talked about, and this it hit is me hard.
1: I, this is what really hit me, especially when I came back from India. That's was right. to repent. Yes. Because I had, I had taken Jesus' words too lightly. I was the one when he said, go do the dishes, and I'm like, yeah, I can memorize <laughs> this, you know? He said, go make disciples. Yeah, I I know about that one. Yeah, that's in Matthew 28. Yeah, this is when you said it. This is what was going on, but I ignored it. Mm -hmm. And so I think to get started is it does bring, we need to come to a place of godly sorrow. Yes. Godly repentance and being, Lord, I'm sorry for not doing this. Sorry for taking these words lightly. Forgive me. And then make that 180 degree change. And start moving forward. It's difficult. It's hard. I'm still learning. You're still learning. We learn from each other. Big time. Um, I see failures in how I'm doing it, but uh, God's grace is there, and I see fruit as well at the same time. He can use (laughs) somebody like myself, someone like you, inadequate, but his grace makes it work. And what a greater... um, what a great way to bring glory to God. Absolutely,
0: you know, we look at, at repentance too. I think that just goes back to when we talked about humility. You know, God will work miracles through your humility, but through your flesh, again, you're gonna fall, fat, fall flat on your face. And so, uh, you know, if we always wanna see more of God exposed to us for who he really is, what better place than repentance? I've often heard you're no more like God, you're, you're more like God than when you're forgiving other people and repenting
1: than any other time.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: So. So yeah, the the last one of the ways you can do this is um as we've been talking the last couple of weeks as Tom mentioned, you know, starting at home with your family. Yes. You know, it might be difficult to find someone to disciple, but hey, if you have kids, you've been already given the mandate to disciple your kids. Um again, we're not exempt. As parents, we're not. No one's exempt from the Great Commission, but if you have kids, that's where you can start, is in your family.
0: Absolutely, you know, we had that great verse in Deuteronomy six five through seven, and when we say this is discipleship, we were real excited about that one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you
1: rise. It's a beautiful scripture, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's the way they can be fruitful and multiply. It's yes. In everything we do as parents, we should always be bringing in the word of God to their life.
0: Yeah, and, and through the filter of God's word, is what I'm bringing in, is this actually building them up and showing them more godliness by my example, or is it detracting from it? Yeah. And I think we deceive ourselves sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, sec- uh, First Timothy 3, 4 is one of my favorites too. It says, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner worthy of respect. So, you know, if we don't start with our own households and have them in order, we actually dis- kind of disqualify ourselves from managing anything else in the body of Christ without taking care of our family first. So we always really start with our own family,
1: Yeah. right? Yeah, and it's not that, God is requiring us to make perfect children. Um, there, there's people I know. Some of you have poured into your kids, and maybe not even seen the fruit come of it. But that has not disqualified you at all. Nope. the The fact that you are pouring into your children is what God asks. He's not requiring you to produce <coughs> fruit in them. You know, there. Um, that's the thing. Is we can do our part. And our disciple does their part. That's right. And God does his part. Right. And that's when we take all of the ownership of all three parts on ourselves as disciple (laughs) makers, that things get screwed up. And, 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 you know, I've seen that happen in my own
0: life. And God finally reminded me that, you know, he, he said, you know, I'm not interested in your ability. I'm interested in your availability to just do what I say. Yeah. And if you can talk people into things again, you're probably manipulating them. Mm-hmm. so so if, if if let's say you don't have a family you don't have kids and you want to get started in this then you would ask yourself as well you know uh, Gallaty did that with, with uh, Platt for two months he said you know I prayed for two months God would you send someone to really disciple me and he didn't even know it was even happening anymore do people still do that mm-hmm. this girl said yeah absolutely J- just pray for it he'll send someone your way but, you know, ask yourself, who is my spiritual mother or father? You see, that's a prayer God can get behind. He will definitely get behind that prayer and send them to you. So, you know, who can who, who can you ask also to disciple you? Or you ask God who will lead you to someone? Or better yet, uh, a D group. Jeff, real shortly,
1: what's a D group? Yeah, w- uh, You yeah guys we might we'll have heard about that. T- we'll talk about it probably some next week as well. But it's just a group of people are getting together for the purpose of disciple making you as a disciple maker find two three four preferably a small group not not like 12 or (laughs) 20 or 30 (laughs) you know um, but just a group where you are committed to one another to do these practices right growing weekly reading your word being held accountable praying for one another coordinating and going out and being transformed So it's, think of it like a, uh, you know, we have connect groups, we have small groups. Think of it like that, but smaller even yet, and focused around replication and discipleship. Yeah, we had that when we went through the Book of Romans, didn't we? Yeah.
0: What I noticed in there, too, one thing I would say is when you start to disciple someone or a small d group, you have to assess their spiritual maturity, and that's essential because you know, we have to really figure out are they a spiritual child or a spiritual infant, a young adult or an adult, uh, or they could even be spiritually dead if they're not even saved. Yeah. You know, I can't feed a spiritual infant steak, so to speak, who can only digest milk. And First Corinthians three two says, you know, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. And we call this, as Eric calls it, meeting them right where they are, not where we want them to be, but working with them where God is working right, meeting them right where they're at. So we have to do that with people as well.
1: Yeah, you don't require someone to go do some big amazing thing if they're not capable of doing the, the small thing first.
0: No, I made the mistake. The first three guys I discipled, uh, I threw the book Radical at them by David Platt <laughs> and wondered why they only made it into Chapter 2 and they quit meeting with me. <laughs> so you know, I think it was a, too much of a shock and all. Bob Hughes would have liked it, but <laughs> uh, otherwise... But I really think obedience is the key, you know, and again, if you're saved, you should be making disciples, so you just get started, don't be afraid, and uh, realize that none of us are perfect, none of us are these super Christians, and God will put his hand on your obedience and miss your errors, and teach you valuable lessons, and
1: bless your efforts far beyond your natural abilities. Yeah, I got to the point where I was like, I think I remember telling you about this, I'm tired of talking about this, (laughs) I'm just going to go do it. Just going to go do it. And... And again, that's that's the thing. <laughs> it's, it's the obedience. I just, just get started, try, fail. Failure is a great teacher. Sure is. And uh, you learn ways not to do things. Brings <laughs> maturity too. That brings it? It. maturity. Good, good. Yeah. So
0: y- hey, I think we just both moved up. Maybe a spiritual. Maybe we're spiritual young adults now. I don't know. Saying that,
1: I don't know. <laughs> well, it seemed like in Paul's life, he kept going down. He, didn't he kept going down the ladder. The chief yeah. Of sinners, I'm so the, the so. chiefest sinner. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: What what are some valuable resources, just real quickly,
1: that, that you know that you have used? Well, I've read lots of books. I've uh-huh. seen lots of podcasts, and I don't know if I could list them all. But some of the names of people that I've read, um, obviously David Platt. You guys have heard of his name around here. Um, Jim Putnam is another guy who um, he wrote a book I think called Disciple Shift. Yeah. Um, it was a great book. Um, Robbie Gallaty. That's um, great. You've heard his name. We've mentioned a couple times. Um, he's got some great books. He's got a book called Growing Up, mm-hmm. um, which is just a very foundational discipleship book. Um, very good. He's actually got several books in that series. Um, obviously, a great Bible is yeah. a great place to start. A great study Bible Absolutely. is a very great place to start. Uh, yeah, I have a personal
0: favor. I try to get most of the guys uh, that I disciple with actually having the same Bible as I have, too. Uh, that We're always on the same page, literally. We have the same translation, the same notes. Uh, we like the David Jeremiah Study Bible. And uh, you know my own daughter, when I bought her a copy, she came back a little bit later and said, you know, Dad, that's the best money you ever spent on me. And the last batch of guys you know, that I'm still meeting with, uh, they literally told me, one of them had told me one time, he said, hey, I don't understand anything in this chapter, okay? And then about a week later, he said, hey, I can do my hair journal with this thing now. This really helps out. Yeah. But yeah, he's got like 50 years of ministry notes from his sermons, and he's put them all in there with charts and graphs. and uh, It's an amazing Bible. If you don't have a good study Bible, that's an
1: amazing resource when discipling others. Yeah, definitely it's... Um I've got an ESV study Bible myself, and it's been great because in the past couple of years, I've realized how good I got at taking things out of context in the Bible. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it was kind of like flip a page open, point a verse. Oh, yeah, this is what that verse means. And then you're like, that is not what that's talking about at all. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and we've done a really good job of doing that, taking things out of context and not really understanding what's going on here. But a great study Bible helps you understand really what's going on here and um, really bring the greater truth out of Scripture.
0: Yeah, you know, I was always taught that, you know, and I tell, I tell the guys I disciple this, is, uh, you know, God's Word is the very breath of God breathing in all of His love and mercy and, and wisdom and, and everything, His insight. As you read it, you're breathing in the very breath of God to become Christ-like. And so uh, I, I can't say enough how valuable... That that is, yeah, and how it's been in my life, and you know, even before we read, to go, hey, I don't want to just read this as something passive, but Lord, this is sacred, and Lord, help me to read this like I'm reading it for the very first time. Yeah, God always shows up and does that.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's in in Second Timothy, you know, where it says, "All Scripture is breathed out by God." That's right. Profitable for teaching, (gasps) rebuke, encouragement, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Good memorization yeah well i got it a little wrong but um <laughs> i'm in front of a bunch of people at the moment <laughs> but it's that idea of like when we really honor god's word as it says it is alive and breathed out by god it will transform us that's yes it does it will transform us when we read it that way when we stop reading it just for words on a page or for a quick fix to our problems when we read it for what it is the very words of God given to us to transform us. It will change us.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I had a guy one time that I was talking to and asked me about that. When I had first gotten into discipleship, and he thought it was a program again. What do you mean you're doing all this Bible reading? What's it done for you? What's it changed? And I had this list of six things I'd carry around in my pocket. The way if someone saw me in the store, I could whip it out and tell him. But yeah, I mean, literally it changed the way that I worship, the way that I, I see that God is sacred. It changed the way that uh, I even view my spouse as having a covenant, as I have a covenant with God. It changed, yeah, like six different things in my life and uh, brought me to a place. I remember going to bed at night and reading the Bible, weeping tears of joy, before I went to bed at night because you know I'm thinking, Lord, you cared enough about me to line all this stuff up with the 12 disciples and all your prophets of the past and everything that have this text to give me a roadmap for my life. Are you kidding me? Yeah. How can I not? Go make disciples.
1: Yeah, and that's really what we're doing is we're trying to teach our disciple to honor God's word the way you just described. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: you know, kind of in closing, uh, we're kind of also inviting the body of Christ to be a real unified body that the lost world will take notice of and want to be like as we're connected outside of the four walls of the church. the way that we're serving one another through discipleship, doing life together, loving one another and obeying the word of God through all of this. Uh, We remember that Philippians 1 says that when we're truly united and loving one another and unafraid of our adversaries, you know, it talks about the Holy Spirit will be so powerful in us and fall on us that the lost world would see their destruction and yet our salvation. I think the lost world, you know, they're looking for answers. They're looking for a real love that only God can provide through his people looking for hope that only the cross can give and yearning for peace that only a unified body of Christ abiding together and abiding in Him can be. We think that discipleship is almost a guaranteed way of being that close-knit family that pierces the darkness of this world and turns it upside down like the early church in the book of Acts did. You know, when we look back, the book of Acts is called the book of Acts, not the book of good intentions. Mm -hmm. And that takes obedience. And so I really believe uh, kind of in closing here too when we get to heaven that Jesus isn't going to be impressed with how big our churches are and I don't think not even maybe sometimes how wide our ministries grew or how much money we made or even our 401ks I do believe one of the first questions is going to be how well have you obeyed my final words before I left earth or, or in essence have you made Jesus' Jesus's final words being the great commission Matthew 28 to go make disciples that make disciples our first work And I hope we can say we did because, you know, really inside each and every one of us, there's a disciple maker.
1: Yeah. Amen.
0: I don't think I could put any better than that. Thanks. You know, that's a tall statement if you say that (laughs) because you're a
1: great blogger. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, uh, so next week, um, we are going to try as best we can to describe how could this look like in your family. We'll have a... uh, a handout for you, maybe go through it with you guys together to really describe. Here's how uh, w- I briefly talked about what a D group is, I briefly talked about what a here journal is, but like here's how it could look. I mean, even going down to like spend this much time doing this thing, spend this much time on this part, but uh, going through that, and hey, we may even have, uh, we're talking about, it, we may even have like a live D group up here maybe next week. You can just observe us. Trying to make it look as natural as possible.
0: With a really cool as commentator.
1: Uh, maybe. As we do it. Maybe. Uh, but next week, yeah, we're going to talk about that, and we'll also have a reading plan. Uh, the goal is that we're all going to be reading uh, the same passages every week. should be pretty simple. Only two chapters a week um, is what we're going to shoot for, but we're going to uh, introduce that next week, and uh, you'll get to see us one more time unless we get invited back heaven help us yeah so uh we did want to just take a couple moments if anybody had a question again we did this last week but if anybody has a question that maybe we didn't quite answer maybe you're curious about something we're willing to take a question or two or however long you guys want to stay i suppose we could even do it after church right anybody anybody willing to uh, have a question needs to be
0: answered no i know we crammed a lot of stuff in a short time but uh you know, we we wanted to kind of clarify a lot of this, but, you know, sometimes I don't do that great of a job of that.
1: I don't see any hands. Any S- takers. All right. Well, we will make ourselves available here after uh, we close here, but uh, come up to us. We'll chat with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. For hearing our hearts. Um, I'm just – you mentioned unity, and I just – I. Just something wells up in me just thinking of us all united together towards the one mission um, the primary mission of making disciples.
0: Absolutely yeah, yeah.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you.
0: Thank you so much